welcome back to the second week in our Advent series. Dear listener, we're glad to have you back with us, and we're looking at the book Cry of the Heart by Lorenzo Albacetti. So if you weren't able to listen to last week's episode, we recommend that you go back and listen to that one first because it forms some of the foundation for the rest of the book. And this week we're looking at chapters two and three and a couple of phrases that are going to come out. One is, you cannot love what shocks you. And another is, tenderness leads to the gas chamber. So if those intrigue you, you will thoroughly enjoy this week's episode. Hopefully. (laughs) We hope it's helpful for you. God bless you. This is a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hey, Erin. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? Hi, Nicole. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Also, hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a podcast on suffering, but now we're like, really talking about suffering because we're talking about a book on suffering. We're just really getting into it. So like right um, into it. Yeah. Join us. But oh my goodness, like if you have been if you joined us, if you haven't listened, so if you're joining us for the first time today, I suggest that you go back and listen to the previous episode. Mm -hmm. Because we're going through um this book uh, by um well it's it's written yeah, no, it was written by Lorenzo Albacetti, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. On on the meaning of suffering. And uh, so the first chapter yeah. uh, we covered last week, and it's just really, just really yeah. profound. It's been really it's good. It's called so, Cry of the Heart. Cry of the Heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are not sure if you want to get the book, then just keep listening and then, yeah. you know. But it's like mm-hmm. 16 bucks right now on Amazon. So um, anyway, but before we get into that, maybe I'll just ask how you all are doing. So Rachel, how are you doing? My left eye is twitching. So that's, that's, it just Excellent. won't stop. That's the update. That's what's happening. And I yeah. feel like it's a very good. That's a tiredness of, thing. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a microcosmic mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. expression of my entire life right now. You know, yep. my, my body gently life. saying, yeah, yeah. We are, why, why are you doing this? Yeah. Please, right. yeah. Please yeah. More. yeah. I definitely had that before one time and was a little bit weirded out by it. So I asked my doctor about it and he was like, yeah, that's, that's a tiredness thing. That's you're just a tired. fatigue response. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's your eye just twitches like <laughs> sleep more kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. How about you, Erin? How are you doing? Um, Listen, I'm great because I got a new car um, and it is a, I got a CRV hybrid, a 2024 Honda CRV hybrid. And it is magical. I'm so happy for you. So good. Because I had a 2014 Civic before. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Right. Which is great. Like they're great cars. Great cars. It was like, it had nothing wrong with it. It was just like it's they're low, you know? So I was yes. like, yeah, yes. your car was body, low. Yeah, 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 exactly. To get in and out. So I'm like, okay, that's enough. So then the hybrid, I'm like, I have to like step up to get into it. Mm-hmm. And But it has heated seats, heated oh. steering wheel, heated windshield. Oh. It's got remote start, which I didn't have before. And today and is the first real yeah. day of snow. So, you know, that's really good for Canadian winters. Things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they, they make really a difference. Make, like oh, yeah. heated seats changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. especially when you park outside, if you park your car yeah. in a garage, then, you know, that's one thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like if you're parked outside in the snow, 
and you have to get in that car and oh. wait a minute for it to warm up. It, those mm-hmm. heated seats just, oh, it it's makes a, a difference. luxury that makes a yeah. huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. think it's actually a spiritual thing, you know, like <laughs> mm. I can remember moments of anger where I'm walking outside and it's like negative 30 or 40 Celsius. Yeah. And I just feel anger. It's just, this is yeah. too cold, you know, but yeah. if you have a heated seat, it makes a difference. Yeah, it um, does. Yeah. I'm going to read a, a quote from our book right now. Okay. Um, so it's, a, he says, uh, Indeed, we must make every effort to reduce pain so that it may not, so that it not become paralyzing, but can lead to that questioning to a dialogue with God. And I think that sometimes heated seats right. are a really legitimate effort to reducing pain. pain. Yes, you know, the pain true. of being cold. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And Aaron <laughs> loves to drive. So I feel like it's true. This is, this is mm-hmm. an, a great gift. Yeah. Y'all, Aaron could be a long haul trucker. I know, right? I like, think he like, like, could be. Yeah. You know? Maybe in, it maybe not now, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Although have, I just really don't like other drivers in general, so that's I mean, true. you know, Can I'm always confirm. working on that. But uh, so if <laughs> I was a true. trucker, I would, I would actually, yeah, no, that would I, be bad. It might be it like might an be occasion of sin for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, although with that's the, so it's funny. it is, I have to say, it's good to have because it's a new vehicle. I'm like, you know, you're like you're careful, like very yeah. careful right. for the first. Yeah. So I'm like very careful about like, uh, like I'm way more cautious than I would than be you in normally my are. Civic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, whatever, yeah. I'll change this lane or I'll go, this guy's going slow. I'll mm-hmm. just go around him. But I'm like, no, we're just going to relax. Cause yeah. so I feel like it's good. That's I feel good. like it's promoting holiness, you know? I'm so, very so good. happy for you. That, that's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Mm, awesome. um, how am I, Nicole? Smell. I'm good. How are you, Nicole? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, once in a while, this this was like a family joke for me. Where my dad, one time on his birthday, he got up and for whatever reason, we just like forgot to wish him happy birthday. Right, like immediately, you know, like it wasn't the first thing we yep, said to yeah, him. Yeah, and so then he he said to us. Um, Happy birthday, Daddy! <laughs> and we were like, "Cute, oh yeah, happy birthday!" That's now it's become a family joke that if the person doesn't instantly, you know, right, say whatever, it's like, yeah, then it's, we just say it for them. So, yeah, um, I like that. anyway, um, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm almost at the end of semester here with teaching. Um, which is nice. The last few classes are always kind of fun because I like to do kind of reflection type things with the students. And mm. um, so there's yeah. really good conversations that come with that and it's enjoyable. And also just the the mental stress of like having a bunch of classes to plan is mm. diminishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice feeling. And with yeah. that, I am then starting to do more PhD stuff. So then that stress is increasing. So it all balances out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. Um. Okay, let's do this. Um, let's let's do, this. do it. So chapter two. Oh my goodness. Chapter two is called You Cannot Love What Shocks You. And we'll, mm-hmm. maybe we'll title this episode that phrase. Oh yeah, that's a good so, idea. It's so good. Um, so the whole chapter is pretty pretty cohesively about that that kind of concept. So I wonder what, what stood out to you both uh, in this chapter. Maybe Erin, we can start with you. Sure. What stood out to you. What does that, what does that mean to you? What, what um, resonated in terms of that? That yeah. phrase and how he talks about it. I think it's like, um, for me, I like I had to kind of sit with it for a bit because I was like, I don't know what he means. Like, you cannot mm. love mm. what right. shocks you. Yeah. Like, what does that yeah, yeah, right, yeah. What does it actually mean? mean, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but then, like, one of the things that I that I quoted um, or that I picked up or whatever was um, 
from my, it says page 29 is for me. I don't know if that's page 29 for you guys yet on the Kindle. Yes. What's Um, the, what's the, it is, I think refusal to be shocked or repulsed in the face of suffering is the calling of every Christian. So it's like right Mm -hmm. from the beginning of the chapter. It's middle of page 25 in the book. Middle of page 25 in the book. Excellent. Um, So the whole quote is, I think the refusal to be shocked or repulsed in the Mm -hmm. face of suffering is the calling of every Christian. We have to reach out to those who suffer with a profound acceptance of their agony instead of seeking to remove or destroy their experience. We cannot be blind to suffering. We cannot isolate those who suffer, nor can we use medical science to destroy the sufferer when our attempt to cure the disease has failed. And then there's another one that's just after, shortly after that, that that says, those who are not shocked are somehow able to recognize the presence of goodness or even a kind of beauty. So it's like, Hmm. like, I feel like it was kind of a bunch of the things that he said in the chapter that like explained that particular sentence Mm -hmm. to me, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. if I, like, if there's something in me that um, when I'm approaching somebody who is experiencing suffering, that Mm -hmm. is like... Like shocked, being shocked is like this barrier between me and the person automatically, right? Mm -hmm. Like this lack of, um, this, like this lack of being able to, um, to see, to really actually see and be with the person in their experience of, of suffering. Like if, if I'm just looking at the, um, at face value, like the, uh, horror of suffering, like the disfigurement of the person, the like all of those kind right. of things, and I'm and I'm like shocked and appalled by this. Um, then, then that like limits my ability actually to be close to the person, like to come close yeah. to the person. You know, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I had. Um, you know. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I had, I had sort of two, one thought that I had immediately when I, when I read the title was there's like two types of shock, right? Like there's a shock you're talking about, Aaron, but then there's also like the good kind of shock where you're like shocked out of your complacency, you're shocked hmm. into sort of action and into out, like outward hmm. movement. And the, the, the book that comes to mind when I think about that kind of shock is Peter Kraft has a book called Jesus Shock. And it's a great book. Like it's like a little Mm. book, but it's absolutely fantastic. And he Mm. writes in this kind of shocking way about this, the, yeah, the just absolutely mind-blowingly shocking encounter that is an encounter with Christ and how that transforms you. So there's like that kind of shock, which is not what he's talking about here. He's Mm -hmm. talking about, yeah, this sort of what you were saying, Aaron. Like like scandalized, being scandalized. I feel like that's like a good word. Like being being disgusted by, perhaps. Being disgusted. You know, being grossed out, being whatever. Yeah. And then when Aaron, you were kind of pulling those quotes and kind of talking with them, I was thinking, yeah, the, the example of someone who really is not, alienated by this type of shock that came to me when you were talking is Mary at the cross, you Hmm. know, that like the cross would have been, I mean, this is your son in some way you, you, I would imagine like, you just don't even want to look like you don't Hmm. even, you can't even stand Hmm. to look at what's happening and what's happened. And yet she was there. I mean, I'm I'm not a, a mom. So maybe, maybe while you can't stand to look, you also need to look. I don't know, you know, when it's your son like that, but Mm -hmm. I just think like her presence, her capacity Mm -hmm. to be at the foot of the cross Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Just take up vigil there. Yeah. Is a really good image to me of that. Yeah. I think that we know this instinctively. Um, I'm thinking of like some teenagers or people who are going through like whatever, a hard phase and do things that others might find shocking, you know? Yeah. But it's in that, I think there's a question of like, do you still love me if I shock you, Totally. you know, or if I shock you, that means you didn't really love me. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it is this, it's this, it's a bit of a cry or a, it's a question, right? Am I really loved all the way? Mm-hmm. Um, I can make myself shocking to test mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. Totally. And yeah. Yeah. He also puts like one of the, one of the things um, that he puts again, like almost right after that is probably like page 26 or 27 for you guys, where he says mm-hmm. that one of the tendencies of our age is to use the suffering of children to discredit the goodness of God. And then he has this kind of paragraph yeah. about talking about how, um, and this is like, he had, he had, um, he started to quote some of Salve G. Dolores in, in these chapters. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, so good. <laughs> um, but ultimately if we want, um, if we want to love somebody, what is the deepest love? Like what is the deepest desire? What is the deepest way that we can love people is to love them into heaven, right? Like to, to mm-hmm. like, yeah. to, to love each other, um, by, helping each other to come into this deeper relationship with God who satisfies every desire of the heart, right? Mm -hmm. And that in what he's saying about suffering is that actually actually suffering can be a means can where we can enter into this relationship with God because it causes us to suffer. It causes us to question all of these scandalizing mm-hmm. things. And when we were talking last time about co-suffering, it's like entering into this question of why with, with the person in some kind of solidarity with their, with their question. Right. And right. The, this kind of like attitude of orientation um like it was making me think about um, that we we don't need to just come to God with acceptance. We can come to God with anger. We can come yeah. to mm-hmm. God with ac- accusation. Yeah. We can right. And so, right. but if we're shocked, if we're shocked by the person's pain, and then our tendency becomes um, becomes like no, ignoring it or going away from the pain. Suffering. Yeah, or we yeah. need to just like eliminate the suffering. Da, 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 da. Then it's or eliminate the sufferer or eliminate right? the sufferer. Yeah. Then then actually we're closing the door on this possibility right. of being with the person in their questioning of God and in that door of, yeah. of opening for relationship with God. Yeah. And so then we're not loving them. Like we're, we're yeah. cutting off that, that love. We're not being loving. Right. right. It's almost like, you know, and I think that that tricky part is there is something about suffering that is repulsive. We don't oh, like it. Sure. We don't yeah. want to be around it. And so it does take a kind of a, a I think it does take a, it takes a grace to remain present in that um, and to, to sort of withstand all of the, the emotional forces that want to push you away from, from suffering. But I think it is, mm-hmm. um, and he talks about, I think a lot about that in the, in the third chapter, which we're going to discuss too, but I wanted to add, you know, just my two cents about this. You cannot love what shocks you. Um, because I was, I would, there's one passage here where he, he tells it's, um, it's a short story that was written by, um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, but basically it's about a, a newly married couple and the, the girl, the woman has this like birthmark on her face mm-hmm. that, you know, it's whatever it's, it's just there. Um, and the husband hasn't told her that he just like doesn't like it, that he's repulsed by it. And so after 
after they get married, he kind of was like, oh, like, have you ever thought of getting it removed? And she was just like, well, you know, enough people have told me that it's, it's beautiful or it's just part of me that I, I, I just, I, she says, I was simple enough mm. to imagine that it might be charming. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then he's like, well, but you're so beautiful. Like this is, but this, you're so perfect in every other way that this, this is like a defect. And like, I want, I kind mm. of, I want you to get rid of it. Um, and she's, and he says it, uh, he says that this, this defect shocks me as being the visible mark of earthly imperfection. And she says, shocks you, my husband, cried Georgiana, deeply hurt, at first reddening with momentary anger and then bursting into the, tears. Then why did you take me from my mother's side? You cannot love what shocks you. Mm. Um, and I just, when I read that, it was like gutting because, you know, like I've been married now for a year and almost a year and a half to Nathan. Mm. And we've both discovered this, that, you know, just like our little, um, we both have little body things, whatever, like, no, everybody has weird things about their body. Right. So it was like, are both things where we're like, you're self-conscious, right? Like I, I'm, I'm self-conscious about, I'm, I have that gene that some like Portuguese and Spanish and Italian <laughs> Greek women have where I just yeah. have a lot of hair. Right. So I'm like self-conscious yeah. about that. Um, and realize, and, and cause it's a thing of like, if the person who's supposed to love me is shocked by something about me then then you know that maybe the love doesn't go all the way or you're afraid of that right mm. can you can you really and and of course you know neither of us care about the other person's things we just love the other person and that that is like that for me it's like oh he really loves me is the message yeah. that I received when I realized that right yeah. and I and it's just oh my goodness like yeah if we experience when we experience ourselves being shocked or repulsed by the suffering of another person or by the um, I remember going to a hospice as a kid, you know, visiting and seeing somebody in the hospice who had a really large tumor growing out of their, like in their stomach or something. And it was just like, you know, at first glance, you're like, oh, girl, like what? Blah, you know, mm-hmm. um, which so it's, it's a nat- there's a natural response to that, but it's a call to move beyond that right into yeah. love of the person because if you like you guys are saying like if you allow yourself to just say oh, like I just I'm sorry I just can't be around this like mm. this is just too much for me that's that is preventing a you from like deepening your own love and 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 ability to co-suffer but it also is preventing you from being present with the other person's questioning like we talked about in the previous episode that could be an opportunity for them to encounter the Lord right yeah yeah um anyway but so when um, what I find interesting is that the remedy that he proposes to shock is not like he he so he the quote you mentioned Aaron was was from Flannery O'Connor that that mm-hmm. the last thing that you were talking about so he brings her up as well a lot in this passage and and he like rejects a certain kind of tenderness mm-hmm. as yeah. the remedy it's not tenderness so it's really interesting because I think like that's kind of kind of our like natural tendency if you want to, right when you're like i'm shocked we'll, we'll respond with like tenderness and oh and, like yeah, yeah like you know yeah. And so like, sentimentality and sentimentality mm-hmm. and and i mean he he quotes this from walker percy's novel the thanatos syndrome mm-hmm. tenderness leads to the gas chamber yeah that was is, what stood i was like i read that I was yeah like, that right and i think t- that Provocative. is really i think a very um a very critical insight for our particular age yes, because yes, yes. I don't think we know this. We do not know 
how it is that tenderness might lead to the gas chamber. And I think it is, it is actually more the cause of great evil. And even in, you know, in our world for sure, like, and we can point to millions of things, mm-hmm. but even that, like not recognizing that there, because what's, what is the, what is the remedy that he actually proposes? It is a kind of acceptance. It's a sort yes. of unsentimental acceptance and that is rooted in humility. Yeah. And he describes it here. Yeah. I want to, I want to pull that from, let's see. I think it's from Flannery O'Connor that he, that he kind of pulls that quote. Yeah. So she says, I'm going to kind of go over what you read, what you mentioned, Erin, mm-hmm. and just read that whole paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, so Flannery O'Connor, she's brought up in this chapter because uh, she was asked to write about the life of a young girl, Marianne, who um, was a patient at a long-term cancer facility that was run by religious sisters. And the connection with Nathaniel Hawthorne's story that, that Nicole was just talking about is that the superior of this um, facility, it was uh, was a nun who was the daughter of Nathaniel Hawthorne, actually, and she modeled this whole facility after his after that story about like not being mm-hmm. let's not be shocked by those who mm-hmm. suffer, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so she was asked to write this story about of this girl Marianne who had a tumor um, discovered at three, and she died at I think twelve, and she lost her eye because of it. So she was sort of physically very disfigured. And so then she says, uh, Flannery O'Connor says, one of the tendencies of our age is to use the suffering of children to discredit the goodness of God. And once you've discredited his goodness, you are done with him. The Aylmers, um, who is, is this married couple that Nicole was talking about, the story that Hawthorne wrote, the Aylmers whom Hawthorne saw as a menace have multiplied. Busy cutting mm-hmm. down human imperfection, they are making headway also on the raw material of good. And then she, she, you know, she cites a few literary examples. Ivan Karamazov cannot believe, um, from the brothers Karamazov, as long as one child is in torment. Hamu's hero cannot accept the divinity of Christ because of the massacre of the innocents. In this popular pity, we mark our gain in sensibility and our loss in vision. If others' ages felt less, they saw more, even though they saw with the blind, prophetical, unsentimental eye of acceptance which is to say mm-hmm. a faith. In this, mm-hmm. ab- in this absence of this faith now, we govern by tenderness. It is a tenderness which long since cut off from the person of Christ is wrapped in theory. When tenderness is detached from the source of tenderness, its logical outcome is terror. It ends in forced labor camps and in the fumes of the gas chamber. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. obviously she's not saying we, we should not ever be tender. She's saying like, be plugged into the source of tenderness. But the way mm-hmm. to do that, yeah. the move first to respond to the shock is not tenderness. The move first is this blind, prophetical, unsentimental mm-hmm. eye of acceptance, this sort of like humility yeah. of not it is what it is, but in some ways, this is what it is. Like I will receive this reality, mm-hmm. the kind accept, of humility. It's an act. It's an active yeah. kind of acceptance. It is, and he talks about that a little bit in the next chapter too. But yeah, and I think you know, if you've experienced moments of of real faith where you have that grace of faith, it's unsentimental. It yeah. is. It feels like an intellectual choice where you're just like, well, I I don't know what where else I will go. Well, I will choose to believe God, even in the face yeah. of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And hope is also like unsentimental. It is, I am choose to believe that God will be good and that good will come of this, even though I have zero evidence of this. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't feel it in that moment. And I think love is the same thing. Like, like you think, you know, when we talk about love as a choice, like those moments of love where, and Elba said he experienced this, right? Where he had this brother who, 
um, I had all of the sort of paranoid and um, bipolar disorder and all of these different kind of mental health things that though his brother, Albacete, cared for him, Lorenzo cared for him his whole life, he suspected him and hated him all through that. And so that means that, you know, Albacete's love or Lorenzo Albacete's love, both have the same last name, um, for his younger brother was not, couldn't have felt sentimental at times. It was a choice that he made again and again, right? So faith, hope, and love are not sentimental things. They are often at the crux of them, um, something that is where all sentimentally sentimentality is gone. All feeling is not there and you're just, it's, it's a thing of the will, right? It's a thing of the will. And it's also, it's also like a, a thing of, you know, a recognition, I think of truth. I think it's a recognition. It's like a humble recognition of like, I, I am going to conform to truth here. I mm-hmm. am going to conform to truth here. And, you know, mm-hmm. the examples I think of that, that really embody this are like, you know, when I talk about, like, I think of my grandmother, um, one of my grandmothers who is like, just like in a certain sense, tough as nails. And she had a stroke, you know, she had lots of flaws and stuff like that, but she had, a, she had a stroke in her sixties and lived with sort of half her body paralyzed, mm. um, for about 20 years and was so like, she would wake up every day and, you know, she would, do her hair and she would brush her teeth and she would get red. And she, even though she couldn't leave the house for hmm. years, every day, she had this great dignity and sort of accepting hmm. her situation, but it was mm-hmm. not this sort of like wrestling. She just, to, and you know, you people say like, there's like that generation. It was like the mm-hmm. world war generation. Mm-hmm. Were you just like, you continue to live. It doesn't there's matter like what happens. That generation. Yeah. Yeah. Like the yeah. toughness of that generation. And I think it's something to do with this, like this sort of like, Resilience. I will, I will. Re- yeah. What is that resilience? Like I will accept yeah. reality. Mm-hmm. I will not fight it. I will accept it, but I will not accept it in defeat. I will accept right. it. Right. In, yeah. in live in it. I will live in it, you know? And another example mm-hmm. I think is like when, if you've ever been to the hospital and you're really ill, I find for my experiences of, of that, I have found the most comforting medical professionals in those moments are not necessarily the people who treat me like I'm an object, like I don't matter, but the people who come and they treat me, they, they just come and they see me and they interact with me in the seriousness of the situation mm-hmm. without sentimentality. You mm-hmm. know, it's like they right. come, they're not trying to be like, Oh, how are you doing? But exactly. they're just like, yeah. you're like, yeah, hey, this is, okay. Yeah, how are you feeling? Be okay. Yeah. It's, it's not that because be- it's not yeah. okay. Right. It's not, I'm not okay, right. but they're also not sort of like mm-hmm. dismissive of me as a yeah. person. They come right. to me yeah. and they just say, Hey, mm-hmm. and they're looking at me and they're trying to discern yeah. really what's going on in me. Mm-hmm. And I so, I feel so secure. I have felt so secure in those moments mm-hmm. when that's who I'm dealing with. I feel seen right. by the person, but seen in my situation for what it really right. is. And there's yeah. no fear in them of it because yeah. they, that they're doctors yeah. in that situation, you know, good doctors. But I mean, yeah, Alba City comments on that in terms of like the, um, in terms of the society that we're in now, right? Like the previous mm-hmm. societies, suffering was, I mean, it just is, is it there? Like it's, it's yeah. not something that you're always seeking to eliminate because there is, there's a recognition that there is no eliminating of, exactly. of suffering, right? So then, yeah. so then we have that in contrast with our generation where you're looking at like just the comforts, the immediate yeah. comforts of life are, are so prevalent and, so ingrained in everything that we do yeah. that yeah that when suffering comes it's it's like a um like yeah it's like a um 
what is this? When we feel sorry for the afflicted because they diverge from our notion of perfection, our sorrow is destructive, right? Because yeah. then it's not even yeah. just that we want to eliminate um, eliminate pain and suffering, but then at some point we stretch that to if we cannot eliminate pain and suffering, we must eliminate the person. Like it's that this tenderness, yeah. this quote unquote yes, tenderness, it turns to like and well turns it, to that. And I've and I've it's it's so yeah. And I you know you hear people say this a lot where it's like you know. They see somebody who's suffering or a child, and it's like, my goodness, like it wouldn't it have, it would have been better if they hadn't been born. Mm-hmm. Would have been better that they'd have been aborted, like to, yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than to live this life mm-hmm. that's going to be suffering the whole time or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And there's yeah, this sentimentality. It's, um, it's yeah. Um, let's. I think this is a good point to move into that third chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's called suffering and pain. Um. And I, I will say I was challenged by this chapter because he talks about pain. He talks about suffering as prophetic and he, he's, it's mm-hmm. very nuanced as well. He's not just like, yeah, suffering is great. We should all do yeah. it or something, you know, but um, yeah. What, so what, what stood out to you both from this chapter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, the thing, the thing that really like he, again, there's so much from self G dollars in there, which is, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And like, I can see the reflections of it all over mm-hmm. everything, you know? Um, and he, <clears throat> the thing that kind of stuck out for me is that really it, like it brings up that question, why? Right. And that's yeah. an existential question and it's posed to, it's posed ultimately to God. Right. But, mm-hmm. but that, um, what is the quote? Suffering is a cry to God that characterizes the human person. Oh, whoops. Um, sorry. I, I think I have a it button. here. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got it. I got it. it. Suffering is a cry to God that characterizes the human person. And we do violence to the human person if we try to extinguish that cry. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, can I add to that? Yeah. In this one, he goes, uh, this is page 33 in the book. If we ask why, it means that we have some idea of how it should be. And something Mm -hmm. has occurred that doesn't fit that worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, So the suffering makes us go beyond our preconceived worldview towards something more. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a sign in that way. Yeah. 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 And then um, like a couple of the other things that really stood out to me, it, like in linked to that, where he says um, physical and psychological pain can be lessened if not completely abolished by medicine. This is a good thing. Like he is affirming yeah. Yeah. right, that there is a thing. But when today's culture tries to abolish spiritual pain, it is abolishing the dialogue with God, the question that leads us beyond the self. And this is after yeah. he's talked about um, to suffer is not to be paralyzed by pain. On the contrary, it is to strain ahead, to walk on the basis of pain, to look towards a future. That is why suffering has a prophetic character. It is oriented beyond the self. If pain is absolutely abolished, the possibility of going beyond the self is eliminated. So yeah. it was like, for me, it, he was putting a, a a lot of context to that quote from self G Dolores that, you know, suffering can be something good. Um, like, because it says that, right? Like the yeah. suffering can even mm-hmm. be considered a good, you know, before yeah. which the church bows with all her deep faith in the, um, in, yeah. in the redemption of Christ. Yeah. But yeah. Right. And I, I think that's helpful because if you think of really awful, um, like war and rape and, you know, the murdering of innocent children and all like just really bad, terrible, mm-hmm. um, I forget, you know, I took a course once on the problem of evil and they, they called it like 
I forget the word they use, but just like, you know, um, beyond, beyond how we can conceive of the, the terribleness of suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. He's not saying that, well, all of those kinds of suffering are actually a good thing. That's not what he's saying. He, you know, physical pain and those kinds of things, we should work to decrease those, to eliminate that. When he talks about spiritual suffering, um, you know, here I'm thinking of just the suffering of, of life, like uh, people who are uh, desiring to marry and find a spouse and not finding that mm-hmm. and infertility and death of somebody and Basically, grieving all and the things that we talk about every yes that we've had <laughs> right all of those things mm. like we can't escape those things right yeah um and like or, of course god can make good of even those really terrible terrible other situations right and and bring good and bring questioning all of that but i i don't think um well i i i, I don't know i think I mean, definitely he's not, I don't think he's saying in some sense, to be honest, that any of that suffering is, any of those things are good things. No. I think what he's saying, like even, even the non-terrible, you know, not, not sort of like horrifically terrible. Sort of the everyday suffering. Yeah. Like even those things, I don't think he's saying are, I think what he's saying is that, because what is suffering? Like, so, so really, okay, here's the thing, right? So we could say this, rape, war, but even illness, right? Um, not finding like unfulfilled good desires, yeah, things like this. Mm-hmm. These they are. There's an affliction of evil here. So there's like yeah. there's a there's a work of evil because we're in this fallen world. What is suffering? Suffering is experiencing that work of evil in a particular mode, mm-hmm. and we are all going to experience it. And wh- I think when he says like there, what he's talking about spiritual pain, the goodness of spiritual pain is that in any of these encounters with sort of the brokenness and the evil that is the fallenness of our world, we, in, we, we, the question arises, which is fundamentally a good question. Mm-hmm. So even if I encounter something like war or rape or something horrific beyond my imagination, mm-hmm. what will arise in me eventually is a question, which is a good question. Mm-hmm. And that question is, who is God? Yeah. you know, and who am I? Like, what is the nature right. of my and existence? It, yeah. Because we know I'm not, this, this was not supposed to happen. Right. There is some sort of, there is some sort of like, I, yeah. I, like, right. I know, I know that I'm not, this, this was not supposed to happen. You like, know, this, this is why, not why did this happen? Yeah. Why did this happen? Why it wasn't supposed happen? to. Yeah. Right. Well, how yeah. do I know it wasn't supposed to? Exactly. So we know, we know that ultimately we were not meant to suffer. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Yeah. Why does every human know this? Mm-hmm. Right. And that yeah. it's, it's coming back to that natural law of, mm-hmm. and like you said, and then leading to, and that can lead to, and, and if we have good co-sufferers with it can, you know, and who are willing to enter into those questioning mm-hmm. and share and and he yeah. says another point too, like, um, let me say it right here. Um, we cannot relate to our own suffering or to someone else's suffering unless we are willing to accept the question and to go beyond. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a call to say, if we want to co-suffer with people, mm-hmm. we have to allow ourselves to question when we also mm-hmm. encounter our own suffering. Yeah. Um, because otherwise we have no authority to suggest mm-hmm. Christ to people. We have no yeah. authority to suggest God if we're if we have not allowed ourselves to enter into that questioning of God, that trial mm-hmm. of God in our own sufferings. Well, I think 
Sorry, go ahead. Well, sorry, I was going to say, um, it reminds me about um, like the C.S. Lewis quote, like if I find in myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. Yeah, right. It can only mean that I'm created for a place that was not here, right? So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like that definitely applies to suffering, right? Because yeah. it's like experiencing this lack, experiencing this is is like prophetic for us in character when we're asking these questions, because it points us to the fact that we actually were created for more. We were created mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a place of no suffering we were created for joy we were created for all of those kind of things and like and I think sometimes too um like one of the quotes that he has is suffering is a cry for salvation and the reply to it must be its redemption and and I think sometimes we have such a tendency to compartmentalize things in our life um Mm -hmm. or to look at experiences and to and to kind of you know divide them up into different experiences or different whatever but um, so even if you're looking at, for example, like the liturgical movements of Holy Week, it's it's mm-hmm. one like the suffering and the mm-hmm. and the death and the passion of Christ is one liturgical movement with the resurrection that we celebrate yeah. and in God. Like it's linked in God, right? But so often we unlink it in our lives and unlink that experience, right? And so this is not so when God is answering us in our questions about suffering, it's like. We can pose these questions of why, and then we can find in him, like in the person of Jesus, the answer to this question, which is the link with yes. redemption mm-hmm. and with resurrection, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he says, this is on 37. Sorry, I'm realizing we're quoting a lot of things. These are, the chapter is basically pages, um, <laughs> where is it? Pages. 32 to 39 now. Yeah. This is chapter three. Yeah. And when we're just mm-hmm. kind of liberally we're pulling quote, quote all from, over the place. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly but those that's where we're at but i'm on page 37 yeah. now and he says you know um uh we read this a little already but indeed we may we must make every effort to reduce pain so it does not become paralyzing but can lead to that questioning to a dialogue yeah. with god mm-hmm. and he says that is the only proper context for human suffering without god suffering is an abomination which must be eradicated yep but the thing is that's the problem is this is where, right, our modern sentimentality has taken us. Like, suffering is an abomination which must be mm-hmm. eradicated because without God, mm-hmm. we, we need to yeah. go back to the link that you're talking about, Aaron. Like, right. we need to link those two, two together because, I mean, Paul says, you know, we will complete Christ's sufferings. Like, we will, in our mm-hmm. suffering, we complete. So, there is something. What is lacking in Christ's suffering. Yeah. Right. So, what is that? Yeah. You know, because it's not just about saying, like, well, there's something about embracing suffering almost that is part of the gospel. What is that about? You know, that is mm-hmm. that is kind of crazy to think about in a certain sense. But it's mm-hmm. not if you sort of read this sentence from Albacete that without God, suffering isn't about, because it is, it's an encounter with evil. But with God, I mean, what did mm-hmm. God do? Right. He literally w- entered into the heart of, of this encounter and re- redeemed it from the inside out. So there is something intrinsically available, intrinsically good that is available to us in the very depths of our pain. Like there's something, mm-hmm. it's not, it, mm-hmm. there's something that God has now placed in the very depth of pain that yeah. is himself, mm-hmm. you know? And let's, I'm just looking at his wording as well here. And he's, I guess he's not super, um, uh, well, he, he but the, but like, defining his term suffering is the consciousness of pain he talks Mm. about right yeah and later um 
to do everything to avoid pain in order to deny suffering is to treat somebody like an object. So I think he's, he's trying to draw this distinction and just going back to this again, like that pain, we can try to decrease pain. We should try to decrease we pain. Should. Yeah. But suffering, there is a, there is a good in suffering and the spiritual suffering, which is, mm-hmm. and, and he, and it's a bit of a, it's a, he's talking about it as a spiritual thing, but it's a cognitive thing, right? He, going back to that quote that you just read, Rachel, like mm-hmm. we need to decrease pain in order so that somebody has the capacity to think through and ask those questions, which mm-hmm. is part right. of the suffering. So mm-hmm. anyways, just to like, or, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, and I, cause this is, I think this chapter is so helpful because of what you're saying, Nicole, there's like all these nuances yeah. to what he's saying, but they cover, they encompass a variety of, of real, of, of things that are just real. Right. And, and it kind of goes back to that, that sense of acceptance because yeah, like, I remember I have had an experience and, and my sister, we've had my sister on this podcast. She was there at the beginning. And I think our right. first season, she talks about her experience. My sister has almost died a number of times. And, and I was there one of the, like, I mean, I was there a couple of the times that one of the times I was there, like watching her die, honestly, in a certain sense. And it was like mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment, my sister could not think. There was no way that she could think yeah. about that experience. But I right. had to be present to that. And it was very challenging as to how to be present. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like thinking about, you know, when someone is in the act of dying, I mean, she didn't die, praise God. But like, you know, if someone is in that moment, like how how are you going to be present to that person when they cannot do this cognitive mm-hmm. work or this sort of spiritual work, like they are just living it, you know, and you are there with them. Mm -hmm. And I think, and in some sense, you can't do a whole lot of work in that moment either, but you have to have this, I I think it's sort of the work that you're talking about, Nicole, is linked to a fundamental disposition. Mm -hmm. And that is what we have to sort of adopt is this disposition, that acceptance, because it enables us then when we are able to, like you said, when the pain is diminished, my sister didn't die Mm -hmm. and she had to process that experience. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. But because you were with her in the pain, then you could right. be with her in the suffering too. Yeah. Exactly. And have the disposition yeah. of presence and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Like so it's, it's all actually, connected. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking like even even um for me, like a real example right now when I was reading these things is like, oh, this is a good reminder because there's somebody that um that I have to uh, like talk, have a hard conversation with about um, something that's not going to happen that they were really hoping would happen. And, um, and so it's like, even for that, I'm like, okay, it's good to read this because in that time, I, when I do that, I need to kind of keep in mind that actually the most helpful thing for me to be with or to be in them with is the that like questioning of God or mm-hmm. letting letting them like be angry and come at him with right. everything that they're feeling and mm-hmm. it's not gonna be well this is you know right it's, yeah. it's yeah. not gonna, gonna be a try to come, come yeah all of yeah. those kind of things yeah. exactly like even if some yeah. of that even if some of that tenderness like the motherly tenderness of God is good and is oh, a yeah. thing you know mm-hmm. but not but the tenderness that's rooted in Christ which is always rooted in truth and yeah. it, which is mm-hmm. always rooted in authenticity right so yes so yeah. like being there in in allowing that person to be authentic in yeah like in their, their anger their question in their whatever yeah. and you know um which allowing he says which Abba said he says takes the form of prayer right like yeah, yeah. um it, yeah. it kind of goes back to like our first our second episode I think which is like what not to say 
And yeah. I remember there was an insight on that episode where um, our, our guest was saying, you know, when people would try to say comforting things when mm. she was going through um, like her, she went through cancer yeah. treatment yeah. and stuff. Um, she felt her, her perception of that is they're, they were sometimes too uncomfortable yeah. to be in the difficult of the pain and yeah. their attempt to comfort her was actually an attempt to shut out her pain from their experience. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It was not, it was yeah. being shocked and, and yeah. pushing it away. Right. So that yes. sometimes our comfort is actually more of a sign that we are struggling to co-suffer, that we mm-hmm. are experiencing shock. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course there's a time to, to, for maybe comfort, but like it's usually not, when we think it is, or it's often not mm-hmm. when, when our, when we think it is, and it takes yeah. a little longer for that. So um, yeah. maybe we can sort of end with this. This is a quote from the second chapter on page 26. And I think it kind of sums up all of these connections because of the reality mm-hmm. of the fallenness of the world is, 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 is the framework in which we're working. Uh, we're trying to work out this suffering. You know, what does it mean that it is good? Mm-hmm. And um, he says here on 26, Actually, he says, the face of good, and he's quoting O'Connor, the face of good says O'Connor, says O'Connor, is grotesque in human beings. Good in us, she says, is always something under construction. Hmm. And when confronted with the shocking, the task should be to use it to construct good rather than to eliminate it. Hmm. So there's a way in which, you know, yeah, good is under construction. Why? Because we are victims of sort of the fall or victims of this mm-hmm. broken break with good. Right. So yeah. it's like when something's under construction, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's yeah. not pretty. It's, it's right. the building, the the scaffolding, everything's visible, yeah. but it's under construction. It's being built up. And that's the mm-hmm. goal here. You know, that's mm-hmm. what suffering yeah. can be an opportunity for building mm-hmm. for us in God. Yeah. Beautiful. So. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, ladies. Oh, I feel like there's so much here to unpack, Honestly, you know, and I'm imagining too, like, oh, I'm sure listeners, you're having your own insights, yeah, you know, but, um, <laughs> but if you want to share them with us, like send us a message, mm. uh, which is also cracking me, excuse me, cracking me up because it's Advent, which is I like, I, I don't yeah. know what I was thinking when I was like, yeah, we should do this thing. It's beautiful and hopeful. And then like, we're having these conversations that are like, bit, like, yeah, heavy yeah, yeah. and it's like super intense. I'm like, well, Advent, let's hey, go. Good. Advent let's go. is not yeah. meant to be a time of sentimentality. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. There you go. That's that right. is true. Um, okay, before we close, can I just ask listeners if you're enjoying our podcast, would you share an episode? Maybe mm. share your a favorite episode with a friend. Um, we, you know, we don't do this. We're not we don't get any money from it Mm -hmm. and we just do it because we love to. Um, And so, you know, we don't really make very many efforts to advertise or anything like that, but we believe in this podcast and we believe that it's good. Mm -hmm. And so if you're benefiting from it, we just invite you to, yeah, yeah, share your favorite episode with somebody or leave us a review. Yeah. If you leave us a review on Apple podcasts, that's an excellent, or increases the visibility on Spotify or wherever. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there you go. Anyways, um, are we doing God things? I don't remember. I don't. Oh, we're not doing it for this. No. Yeah, we're just, so, no, no. I think we're just no God straight wings, up. Just no God suffering. Yeah, that's right. Just <laughs> suffering. That's right. Exactly. Love it. Oh, it's good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we look forward to uh, talking with you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.